0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermel Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Brainerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, the power line, Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix SW Bait and Tackle Growing Recycling Napa Auto Parts and Baxter Black Bear Lodge and Saloon Nielsen Hardware and RV Your Central Minnesota Ice Castle Dealer and by Radco your truck accessory pros now here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors Ryan Moon.
1: We've got a variety of topics to discuss on this week's show. We're about two weeks out from the bear season, so we'll talk a little bear baiting with Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. Mandy Urich will drop by and talk a little bit about all these weeds that we're seeing out there and some of them dying off and how that lack of oxygen is affecting our fishing. Eric Osberg with the Outdoor Report will talk about pan fishing out in Ottertail Lake and that whole Otter Tail County, plus lake reports from Ray Gildow from Leech, Winnie, and the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Oars and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off, as we always do, with our local report. We bring in Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. And, of course, Ray keeping a very close eye on uh, Leech Lake Forest, Winnie, the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And we're lucky enough to have Ray in studio this week. Thanks for dropping by, Ray.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah. So shall we start on Winnie? Uh, Sounds like things kind of status quo up there.
2: I think that's a fair statement to say. Um, Besides the Manitoba smoke, which (laughs) is affecting people up there as well as they had, Air quality alerts on the cell phones on uh, Winnie. Even that's how bad it got there for a while. It's not quite as bad now. Later this week, but so a lot of red skies around the area. Mm-hmm. But yes, the uh, in that 18 to twenty two foot range, they're still pulling in pike. They're pulling in some very nice jumbo perch and an occasional walleye. I don't want to suggest the walleyes are jumping in a boat because this time of the year it gets to be a little bit tougher. So they are, but they are still pulling in occasional uh, walleyes and are using mostly uh, crawlers, and they're they're starting to go over to minnows a little bit, uh, a little bit more now than they were a week or so ago. So overall, the report's good, and we did a little promotion for uh, high banks, and they filled their veterans' benefits, so they had a lot of veterans came in, and and they filled them out, which is a good thing. And uh, then just jumping over to Leach for a moment, we're starting to go through a little bit of a transition now. I think we're starting to see that if we just look up on the trees. You can see the colors starting to leave some of them. It really seems early, doesn't it? It does. I mean, here we are towards the third week in August, and we're already starting to see, like, I've got birch trees that have lost 50% of their leaves already in my yard. Hmm. And if you look at the maples up around Leech Lake and around Winnie, a lot of those are starting to turn colors. So we're starting to see that transition period occur a little bit, even though the water temperatures haven't changed. I would say most of our lakes are 77, 79, 78, maybe even an occasional 80 here and there. Uh, There's been a pretty solid musky bite on on Leech Lake. It's been really pretty good. There's been some nice 46, 47, 48-inch fish coming in, and um, it's been kind of scattered all around the lake, Uh, out on the rocks, off the weed edges, uh, off the sand breaks, and some into the uh, shallows, into the, the bulrushes. So that's been pretty good. And they're starting to pick up a few walleyes during the daytime pulling cranks. There was a period there where that just wasn't being very effective except to maybe pull them just before dark. But uh, in the last week, there's been people starting to catch a few walleyes. And I don't mean to suggest they're jumping in the boat because I don't think they're jumping in the boat anywhere right now. But they are definitely starting to catch them. Uh, The bass bite up in Sucker Bay has still been pretty solid. And uh, over on Boy River, where there's a lot of really nice vegetation, there's been some pretty good bass fishing over in that area. And people are still finding crappies in some of those areas along the weed lines. Jumping down to the Brainerd area, uh, it's been hit or miss on the whitefish chain. There was a couple days where guys were catching pretty good, seven, eight, or nine walleyes on the whitefish, uh, mostly with creek chubs and red tails. If you can get fresh ones, they'll stay alive. (laughs) If you get, you know, four or five day old ones, you drop them down and they seem to not last very long. I would say 18 to 22 feet of water uh, on lindy rigs has been working in the whitefish chain. And Gall Lake is actually starting to, to turn out some walleyes this this week. There's been guys that have been catching nice size ones um, in a variety of places on the north end. It's probably been a little more productive than some of the other areas. Haven't heard a lot of walleye reports on North Long or Pelican. Pelican's a mystery lake because that used to be a really one of the top three walleye lakes in our area, for some reason that's been a, a really a tough place to catch a wild, walleye the last few years. Uh, the other thing that's been going well are bull sunfish mm-hmm. and those big bluegills. And I think if you can find a 10, 12 foot hump on any of these lakes right now, boy, they're on there. And when I've been fat fishing bass, they come up on those plastic worms or on the ned rigs or whatever we're using. And boy, there's some dandies. I mean, there's really some nice ones. So the Panfish bite has been really, really good bass fish bite, uh, uh the bass fishing has been pretty solid, I think on Gaul and on uh, probably on Gaul as much as anything, and even on North Long, the more tournaments that there there are in the summer, the more educated these fish get, sure. and the tougher <laughs> it gets to be to find them. So what I like to do is jump to some of the little lakes that maybe aren 't getting that at that much pressure. I'm not suggesting that that's hurting the population, but they just are getting smarter. You know, there's something that's happening. um, I've talked about this before in the past, and I think it's so important. This time of the year, when people select uh, or elect to go out and fish walleyes in deep water, they're just about always killing them, even though they release them. If you're pulling walleyes out of 29, 30, 31 feet of water this time of the year, you might release them and they might swim away, but... You're going to find that they're not going to live, and uh, I know. Uh, last week I talked to a guide in the Ottertail area, and there were a lot of dead walleyes floating on on Ottertail Lake, which is just southwest of Brainerd. And I, he said, those are a lost. A lot of those are just fish that were too big to keep, and they caught them in deep water and they just didn't make it. Similar to what we've seen over the years of malax when people are out in the mud flats. So. I just encourage people to fish shallower. You know, it, if, you're gonna, if you can keep one, you can keep one over 20 inches on a lot of our lakes if they're not slotted. Uh, that's fine to fish them and keep, uh, keep a big one, but then you might want to go shallower and see if you can find them, because there's always shallow fish too. And that's been, really, this year has been kind of the story. A lot of those walleyes have never left the shallows. Exactly. There's been uh, lots of places that are still catching them in 14 feet of water right off the weed edge. And, then, and there's another development that I think should concern all of us, if I may just uh, get on my stand and preach here for sure. a <laughs> And that is the algae growth that we're seeing in our lakes. Uh, there was a report this week that Lake Superior is seeing the biggest algae growth ever, a 50-mile stretch. And that is a cold, deep lake. And the, I think the theory is that when we've had heavy rains, it's washed a lot of agriculture runoff into the water. And that's creating a lot of algae. And we even have some algae uh, on the whitefish chain, on upper whitefish chain from the Pine River where it comes through. Uh, We're seeing more and more of this algae growth. Uh, I have a fellow friend who is a guide uh, in the Tampa Bay area. And Florida's got this red tide, which is absolutely a devastating algae that comes out of the, um, the New Mexico area, or out of Mexico, I should say. And they think it's probably caused by hurricanes. But from... Fort Myers South, it's killing every animal in the water. I mean, turtles, sharks, manatees. It's just it's a devastating um, thing to see. And my friend is guiding west of Tampa, so it hasn't gotten that far north yet. But that's another kind of an algae uh, that's creating problems for our wildlife. So I think we should all be concerned about runoff, especially agricultural runoff, and the impact that it's having on our water and our lake's quality. Yeah, so that'll be something we'll monitor, no doubt
1: about that. Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. You can check Ray out at raygildow.com, all over social media, and, of course, with the Nisswa Guides League. I appreciate it, Ray. Good stuff. And we will check in next week. Thank you, Brian. Mandy Urich joins us now. Mandy, a good friend of Brainerd Outdoors, contributor here to the show, very accomplished angler, and at the same time comes from a biological background. And, Mandy, there are some things with these weeds, like Ray was saying, kind of piggybacking on what he finished up there in his last segment, that's got you concerned.
3: Absolutely. And some of our clear bodies of water. Obviously, we've had the zebra mussels or so the, the water clarity is really, really increased dramatically. And within the last few weeks on those lakes that are specifically very clear, they're turbid, they're, they're dirty looking, they're grungy. And so it makes you stop and think, okay, what exactly is going on on this body of water? So We've got multiple factors. We'll call it the perfect storm all coming into play. We had that late spring, but water temps and, you know, our overall temps shot up through the, <laughs> right through the roof. And so we started with really high water temps, which we kind of been talking about waiting for this massive weed bloom, the massive weed blooms here. It's already happening. We're seeing um, tons of northern milfoil, uh, cabbage, things like that. But at the same time, because that water was warm so early, it's expedited that growth for those weeds, which expedited them actually dying off. So they're, they're coming to the end of their cycle. So when that happens, we see a few things. Obviously, when, we, when weeds die off, um, they start to decay, uh, starts to use up oxygen. Uh, warm water actually holds less dissolved oxygen. Um, than colder water. So our waters are really super high right now and they don't seem to be falling. We're looking the next week and the week after that to hopefully get some relief. But so high water temps, we had the, the weed bloom. We've got some algae bloom going on. Uh, we got this weed die off. So that, that's starting to decompose. It, it's it's just making everything turbid and, and icky and overall like it's it's dropping the dissolved oxygen in the water. So right now we need some rain and we need some wind because when you get like the wind and the rain that kind of reintroduces the oxygen levels back into there. Obviously the weeds make oxygen, but when they start to die off they use it all up and yeah, it's gross. Yeah,
1: and you specifically mentioned when we were talking off air the whitefish chain. You said that that is a clear lake by nature. Yes, and right it, now it's not.
3: It, it, it's a the upper Whitefish Chain is my bread and butter fish. I really love it. Uh, it's it's deep. It's big. It's got a lot of structure. You can't see six inches in it right now. Wow. I mean, it looks like the Mississippi River, and there specifically, we're, we're seeing that we're seeing some algae we're seeing some zooplankton and we're seeing a lot of weed die off and that perfect little storm there has really changed that body of water
1: so how is that affecting fishing right now i'd imagine that would be species wide right now
3: too. yep absolutely and we're not just seeing it there you know everybody talks about it's been slow here it's been slow there north long lake specifically i've never seen that lake turn off like it has and what i'm thinking is that's what's happening there um the water temps have gotten super high. We're getting weed die off. If you've seen it, there's dead weeds floating everywhere. You can't troll anywhere. Same thing's happening on gull also. Makes it hard to, you know, to fish out there, but when the oxygen levels start to drop in the water, um, fish will move out of Little Bays specifically. They'll go to wherever they can find the most oxygen. Uh, when they do that, though, they become sluggish. They don't want to eat, right? Like, you don't feel good because you're not getting this breath of fresh air. It's like when you walk into a casino and they're pumping 100% oxygen, you feel great, right? <laughs> when you walk outside and it's 110 degrees, you don't feel so good. So that's my comparison. Um, We really have to slow down, slow down everything. I don't care if you're pike fishing, walleye fishing, bass fishing. Lower your bait sizes, go to the finesse fishing, and go to reaction baits right now. I would throw a a rattle trap, a crankbait, a chatterbait, a spinnerbait, or even some smaller plastics, uh, you know, jigworming ned rigs, things like that, but just slow down your retrieve. The, the bites that we are getting, they're, they're picking it up and swimming off with it and, and dropping it. You know, they're just not aggressive. Even when you get them on the line, you know, they're not busting out of the water with that you know, lure in their mouth, trying to fight to get away. They're just kind of dead weight at the end of the line.
1: And, you know, Ray was mentioning how tough it's been on pelican, and your ears kind of perked up when he said that, <laughs> because you have a theory of that too. It's not that there's not fish in there.
3: Correct. Yes, Pelican is one of the most premier walleye lakes that there is. If you can ask any guru walleye guy, I've fished plenty of tournaments out there. The fish are still there and they're huge. My theory is though, what I've seen, the fish that I have caught out there, they're gorged, which is awesome. We've got a really good um, perch hatch out there the last few years. So they're gorging themselves on, you know, one to three inch perch. And that's not just walleye, that's bass and pike too. So with all that forage out there, it makes it tough for us to come in and, you know, Get you to eat a piece of plastic or a piece of wood when you got a smorgasbord of live bait right there for you. A
1: couple other things, Mandy. You mentioned northern milfoil. I'm not sure. That's a term that's new to me, maybe to some other listeners too. What do you mean by that as compared to Eurasian milfoil?
3: (laughs) Correct. There's two forms of milfoil. The Eurasian milfoil is actually an invasive species that we try to go out and treat, and it can spread. It makes kind of a mat. Northern milfoil is actually. It's supposed to be here. Okay. <laughs> and you know people who are a recreational boat don't really like it. People who troll don't really like it because it does cause big mats that they originally start down below the water and then they grow and you'll see them actually forming on the top and it's just this big stringy tangly mess that you can't get through. If you're a bass fisherman though, flip it, punch it, do whatever you can because bass love those little those little spots. They provide pr- protection. They got forage there, they got everything they want. Yeah, they're kind of a pain to get around, though.
1: One last thing on vegetation. Uh, you also mentioned to me, too, you're thinking we're going to have probably an early weed die-off, which could make things a little interesting for fall fishing.
3: Absolutely. that That is my prediction. What I'm seeing right now with the expedited... Uh, life cycle growth and them are already starting to die off right now. Let's think about it. Those fish have been, even the walleyes have been tucked into these shallow waters uh, with this beautiful thick vegetation for cover for their forage for everything else. Well, what happens when this is gone? So going into fall fishing, you're going to have to start marking those weed beds because as the later it gets, the ones that are still alive are going to be total Honey holes, they're going to have every species possible. So that's what you should be focusing on. So, you know, just as you're out driving around, marking stuff, those are the ones you're going to want to go to. But when we get to that point where the veg is gone, those fish are going to have to go somewhere, right? I mean, they've got to find protection from the sun. They've got to find structure. They've got to find something. So I think we're going to see those fish slide out deep, and I mean deep. I think this is going to be another fall year on gull where we're going to be fishing in 40 or 50 feet of water for walleye.
1: That'll be something we'll monitor. Uh, one last thing, Mandy. Uh, let's head out to the river for a little bit because you and I both love fishing <laughs> out there. Uh, what's happening out there right
4: now?
3: So I've recently actually was just uh, i was just on the crowing and then the, the a couple days previously I was on the Mississippi water levels are low right now and there is like no current whatsoever back bays back bays are completely choked out water temps are anywhere from 84 to 87 wow. and it, what you think is is duckweed right there which normally would be our honey for throwing our favorite frogs but um underneath they're completely choked out it's it's you you can get some bites but it's hard for those fish to even strike that bait but if you're going to be fishing the river right now, I wouldn't even bother with those tiny back bays that are super choked. Really focus your efforts on the mouths going in there and then 40 or 50 yards on each side of where you go into those bays and wood. Wood is still seeming to hold up on, on both rivers. It's been really good. If you do find thick mats or bogs like that, um don't be afraid to throw that frog across the edges of it or throw a chatterbait or a spinnerbait, especially because they are turbid and there is no current, those fish are sitting higher in the water column. So that's you want to be in that strike zone where they're at. If you're flipping a jig and it's falling you know, a big heavy one, it's gonna hit the bottom while they're you know, three feet up in the water column.
1: One last thing, uh, you obviously you fished a tournament was it last week, the week before?
3: Last week, well, and the week before. Right. Before <laughs> you're that. always fishing tournaments, <laughs>
1: but sounds like once again some pretty good luck for you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Ended up with um, third place in the co ed division. We had beautiful bass, just I mean, which which was a grind. We, We had our bass right away in the morning, and overall, the big pike just were not going like they normally do. And the reason is, you always find those big pike in the back bays at this time of year. They love to be in there. You get them frogging, I mean, they just dig themselves in. That was completely taken out of the picture because of those back bays, the water temps being as high as they were, as choked as they were the big pike didn't want to be in there. So they were all main lake or main river channel fish, which are a little bit harder to catch.
1: And in the future, you got some stuff coming up.
3: Yep. This weekend there's a MT3 Elite actually on the Mississippi River. There we Imagine go. <laughs> that. Uh, and a tournament, uh, our end of the year tournament is on North Long. So it'll be a Saturday, Sunday of fishing, fishing, fishing.
1: Busy, busy, busy. And w- oh, one last thing, you also had, uh, there was a magazine article with you in it. Uh, you got put into some pretty esteemed company, I've heard.
3: I did. I, I don't even know what to say. I was named to the 30 most influential women uh, in North America for fishing. Wow. So, getting a little bit of international recognition there, which is always great. Sure, a little you know, hometown brainer girl.
1: <laughs> well deserved. You put your time in. There's no doubt about that. So, Mandy Urich, uh, of course, Mandy. You can check her out a variety of different ways.
3: Facebook, Instagram. Tune in here. Find us on podcast. We're everywhere we're everywhere there you
1: go Mandy York Mandy thanks for taking the time as always good luck and we'll talk to you soon all right sounds great all right when we come back we'll head west of the Brainerd Baxter area out to Ottertail Lake Eric Osberg with the outdoor report will join us he's been doing a lot of pan fishing out there we'll see if he's having some success when we come back to Brainerd outdoors on b93.3 welcome back to Brainerd outdoors on b93.3 and we head west we haven't talked to our good friend Eric Osberg with the outdoor report in a little while. And of course Eric kinda of stationed out in that Ottertail Lake area uh, in the western part of the state. Eric, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. And one thing we're gonna talk a little bit about walleyes out there. We're gonna talk maybe a little muskies, because I know you've been trying hard to get yourself a muskie boated this summer, but uh let's talk about panfish because obviously that's picked up uh not only here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Matt's been saying up north by him it's been pretty good pan fishing, but we always like to label where you're at panfish paradise and that has not disappointed this year
5: it has not and and they they seem to be and i'm not a biologist so i certainly don't understand why or anything like that but but they seem to be stacked up right now they seem to be schooled up right now the the not so good news is it might take you a little bit longer to find them um, because they are you know concentrated but once you do find them uh, it, it should be lights out. Garrett's fear of slab seeker fishing is um in my humble opinion the, the premier bluegill guy that I know of anyways and, and him and I and Willie have, have had a chance to fish a couple two, three times. And um the trick is getting up early. Um, you know, they they say the early bird catches the worm while the early angler catches the big bluegill. That that is a low light thing. I mean, if you're not on the, I mean, the, you know, sun's coming up later now, but I mean, we've been, we've been going out at five in the morning or five thirty in the morning or six in the morning because that, that first couple hours of daylight really increases your odds, especially if you're looking for big bluegill. So get up early and, and the good news is then you'll you'll have the rest of the day to go tubing or skiing or, or chase different fish or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they're 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 stacked up and 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 ready to jump in the in the morning, anyways.
1: The lakes that you're fishing, Eric, for those that aren't familiar with that area where you're at, are they fairly deep lakes, or more shallow, or kind of in between?
5: Kind of in between. I mean, we, you know, Ottertail County. There's we say it all the time, but there's over a thousand lakes, and so uh, they're all a little bit different. But you know what? What we're looking for are those fertile, you know, they're they're bass, panfish lakes. That's what they are. That's what, you know, the way, the way nature intended them to be. And, and so there's a lot of vegetation, a lot of growth. And, you know, I'd say them, if I had to pick an average, I'd say they average around 30, 40, 50 feet max, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're looking next to weeds, you know, next to weed edges. Um, the last time we went out, it was, you know, when we, when we first started with the first pile we found was in, you know, like 16, 17 feet. Then it got, then then it was, you know, hard to find them again. And and finally, once, once we found them, they were in 12, 13 feet of water, but, but basically just off the weed edges. And then Willie and I were out recently and, and same deal. They, they were in 16, 17 feet of water, just stacked up. And then the not so good news is we went back the next night and they were gone. They were just—they just they just weren't there. So don't fish memories. Move around. It's a recon mission, right? You're going out there to try to figure out where they are, and then once you find them, then you should be able to sit on them for a while and, and, and sort
1: through them. And the thing is, uh, as far as a presentation goes, Eric, uh, maybe about what you guys were using there, and then obviously you want to be very stealthy as well.
5: Yeah, you want to be, you know, slow and, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. What we use when we're when we're when we're with Garrett, what he likes to use is a is a is a heavy little jig, like a gill getter from Northland or something that's tungsten, just something that's got a small profile and then he'll use a you know a full angler worm, you know, not a full nightcrawler, but he'll throw a full worm on there and then maybe even drop a put a split shot above that so you can maintain contact with the bottom. You're basically just vertical jigging right out the side of the boat and moving super, super slow until you make contact. Uh, the other thing that, that I like to do is I, I like plastics, especially when it comes to crappies, if you're looking for crappies, and, and whether it's a, a wingding or a puddle jumper, um, 16th ounce, 32nd ounce, and, and that gives you an opportunity to kind of cast. Again, once you, once you locate them, then you, then you can kind of just, just sit on them. And, and I still, you know, in that case, I kind of like to stay off of them a little bit, and then cast to them and just a slow retrieve. But, yeah, if, you know, if you're, if you're in bluegill mode, a, a, a small, heavy jig, if that makes sense, you know, tipped with a full angler worm straight out the side of the boat with a split shot above it. Or if you're in crappie mode, I'm a, I'm a big believer in plastics, whether, like I said, it was a puddle jumper or a wing ding or a, or a thumper jig or something like that, just something you can kind of go and search
1: and you mentioned these lakes that you're hitting are both uh, panfish and bass lakes. I'd imagine you pick up a few bass along the way, too.
5: Oh, yeah. And that's, I don't know how many pure bass anglers are out there, right? We're in Minnesota. It's walleye world. But there is some, I mean, you're talking five, six-pound bass, and I'm not even kidding. I mean, there's there's 20-inch largemouth, 21-inch largemouth, 21-and-a-half-inch largemouth. And the fun thing is when you're, when you're in bleak, big bluegill water and you get hooked up, a lot of times, what'll happen is people'll be like, "Oh, it's just a bass," and then you're like, "No, it's a huge blue bluegill." And so, it uh, yeah, it kind of adds to the excitement. You're not quite sure what you're gonna get, but no, we we had a young boy out w- again with Garrett Sphere, Slab Seeker fishing, and that morning he got his he got two personal best bass and and a bunch of personal best bluegills. So it's a little bit different, right? Like, I mean, we all get we all get in walleye mode, but man, if you want to catch fish consistently head to one of these bass panfish fish lakes and uh and you'll have a blast
1: any perch in any of those lakes out there Eric?
5: absolutely um i i mean otter tail is you know i wouldn't say they're 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 jumbo perch but we've been seeing a lot of bigger perch this summer this year in in ottertail than we have in years past so so that's good news i mean otter tail used to have giant giant jumbo blue or jumbo perch and um they, I'm not saying they're making a comeback, but I've seen more big perch this summer on ottertail than I have in the past two three, four years.
1: So there's a variety of things for you to check out now you, you heard Eric mention Willie that is his his son who we've come to term walleye Willie here on the show because he's he's a very very good angler and the two of you actually have been chasing walleyes around throughout the summer too and pretty consistently throughout the summer have had some pretty good luck.
5: Yeah, we've been. I mean, if if you're looking, you know, a lot of these bass panfish lakes have have walleye stocked in them, um, and then there's some some natural producing lakes. But I mean, if you're looking for walleyes, I, it's hard to beat Otter Tail. It's uh, it's a numbers game. You're gonna catch a lot of walleyes. You're gonna catch a lot of small walleyes. But but there's some big ones in there too. Those fish have been a little bit deeper the the last couple two three weeks. But but, uh, Randon Olson of Lockjaw Guide Service. He's another guide over here. He's had 50 fish evenings in in the past week or two. And and you know you're looking in that 25 to 20, you know 25 to 30 feet of water, maybe a little bit shallower, um, mid lake structure. You know early in the year we focus on the we call it the first break, which is the first break around the edge of the lake but but now those fish seem to you know they're they're, they're out in their summer spots but um, no there's 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 plenty of walleyes to be caught and whether you know whether you're pulling a you know a crawler on a spinner or a crawler on a rig or a leech on a, a rig is get out the problem with otter tail is there's so much structure out there it can be intimidating but you just you, you pick a hump and you, you fish it and you know maybe or maybe you just mark you know drive over it look for fish and if you see them you fish them if you don't you move to the next spot but plenty of the walleye hot or the walleye bite has been hot uh, the last couple two three weeks
1: we have listeners uh, Eric that maybe haven't aren't familiar with otter tail but are thinking yeah maybe let's give it a try uh, do you, would you recommend hiring a guide first time out or is it a pretty easy leg like to learn
5: well I mean you know to each their own I. I, I will say this: any any time, and I'm I'm lucky because I get to spend a lot of time with guides because I have a camera in my hand. And but every time that I fish with a guide, I learn something. At the very least, you're going to learn a spot or two, you know. So I think a guide is a very good investment if you're going to start to pick a part of body water. Plus, they all do things a little bit different. They all have a trick up their sleeve, and it's not like they're trying to keep secrets. But to them, it comes naturally naturally that this is just the way they do it so when you when you go with a guide and you you can you can watch and listen and learn and also figure out where they're fishing i i think hiring a guide is a way to go if if that's not your thing if you're not into hiring guides you know stop at your local bait shops they'll they'll give you some some intel or follow us uh follow the outdoor report we we try to give depths and 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 presentations as much as we can uh we're not going to give out gps points but um, uh, to answer your question, I would hire a guide. If I could afford it, I would hire a guide. At least, you know, if you had a four-day trip planned or a three-day trip planned, hire a guide for the first half of the first day, and now you'll know where you should spend a majority of your time. Like I said, call Rand and Olson Lockjaw Guide Service. Call Garrett Fierce Lab Seeker Fish and those guys in this area anyways. Great guys to fish, and they're happy to teach. So.
1: And one last thing, you have been on a quest this summer to catch a muskie. Uh, how's that been going?
5: <laughs> I, I hate to admit it but i've been those things i've put in a lot of hours i'm pretty sure i'm over ten thousand casts, and i hate to admit you know my failure right publicly but those things are elusive man they're they're not easy to catch no we've been hitting lakes over here i started in june and i've dedicated you know there was one night randon and i went out you know we started at midnight and we fished till seven in the morning and we've been i've been trying everything and uh I'm going to keep trying. I'm sure it'll happen. And the good news is we're getting into the right time of year. You know, the days are getting shorter. The nights are getting cooler. And so they hopefully will be a little bit more aggressive. I've seen a bunch of walleyes, right? Like we went out one time and I, we had seven follows, right? We had, you know, so we've seen them. They're there. I just uh, I just haven't been able to coerce one into, into biting. So
1: Something tells me it's going to happen for you, though, as we head closer to fall.
5: I, it's got and then and then it'll have a little bit more meaning for me right like it, it wasn't that easy right like i had to earn it so yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep trying and when it does happen i'm sure it'll be it'll be a pretty cool moment well,
1: we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and keep an eye on on eric and then once again you can follow him along or follow along with him on uh Facebook social media all that stuff just look for the outdoorreport.com uh, or the outdoor report and then you can also go to the outdoor report.com a lot of great information there for you as eric mentioned eric osberg with the outdoor report giving us an update on what's happening out west of the brainerd-baxter area out on otter tail i appreciate the time good luck out on the water buddy and uh, we'll check in real soon okay
5: thanks brian always appreciate you having us all right
1: when we come back we'll head up north for the up north report matt brewer with north country guide service in bemidji will join us we'll talk some fishing with matt and bear season is right around the corner He'll talk some bear baiting when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3.
0: You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon.
1: Let's head up north for the up north report. We bring in Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. A lot to talk to Matt about this week. We're kind of hitting into that time of the year, Matt, where everything's kind of coming together. We we talked to some deer hunting on the show last week with Eric Thorson, and uh, it's hard to believe. You know, we're less than a month away from bow opener. Uh, we're going to talk some fall fishing with you here in, in a bit as well as as bear baiting because it's that time of year. Everything is happening now.
6: Uh, my decision is made for me for <laughs> uh, for about the next. And a half weeks, so uh, I get to wake up every day and go to work, and then figure out how to d- run bear baits every day until opener. So, so I've still got uh, I've still got work to do before the fun can start.
1: That's for sure. Are you starting to see any leaves turning up by you yet?
6: I did notice some leaves. I actually went into our garden yesterday, and there were some leaves that had fallen from some of the trees in our surrounding our garden and. Everything in my garden is pretty much dying off, except for the fall stuff like cucumbers and zucchini. So it's uh, it, it's strange because it hasn't been cold at all, <laughs> but uh, but I, I have noticed some some leaves are starting to fall. I'm excited for this last heat stretch to get by and for some cooler days.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, let's backtrack to last weekend. That was pretty interesting up by you. I mean, we saw some of that, you know, smoke and all that and what that did to our air quality here and just the overall visual of what things looked like. But up by you and even north of there, I saw some pictures of some people up on Red Lake. That was an eerie thing going on.
6: Yeah, and as you can probably hear, my voice is not exactly uh sinus or allergy trouble free. It's uh and and it's all due to last weekend. I I think it was uh, it was kind of a sinus and allergy nightmare having all that smoke around and all the particulates in the air and and it was so humid and um, we were talking off air and I was telling you it looked like looked like sunset at about four thirty in the afternoon and then by by seven o'clock at night to eight o'clock at night when we were closing out the end of the trips it was like you know it it felt like it was really 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 sunset like getting dark really quickly. I couldn't really see a cloud in the sky, but the smoke was so thick that it was that it was dark and gloomy. It was really strange and just bright, bright red because of the refraction from all from all that smoke. So it was it was quite eerie and and uh, and hot and disgusting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into uh, talking a little bear baiting, Matt, let's talk about some fishing up by you. Uh, how's it been this past week?
6: Uh, fishing, finally. I I joked around all year. I'm like I keep waiting for it to fall off but it it hadn't and uh last weekend it was still pretty good I had to grind it out on the last couple days before my open water season kind of closed out I'll still take you know a trip here or there but right now it's uh all about bear baiting but but when I was closing it out the the last two trips I really had to grind and really had to hit a lot of different spots to to try to figure out where the fish were Um, everything just kind of shifted I don't know if it was that that heat and the sky i i don't know what it was but fishing became a little tougher and now it continues to be that way jason's running running our trips and and he's having to really really grind it out um, so the numbers aren't uh aren't bonkers by any means right now but if you move around enough and you try enough different depths and tactics you're you're definitely going to catch some fish they're still out there they're still eating it's just a matter of uh of finding them now that they transitioned a little bit
1: you know, we talked to uh, Eric Osberg with the Outdoor Report earlier in the show. Matt over by Ottertail, there, he said the pan fishing has been off the charts good. What about it, by you?
6: Well, he's lucky enough that he gets to go pan fishing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just get to go walleye fishing, and uh, and I don't, I don't even get to fish. So, um, <laughs> but I, I've heard it's been really good. Uh, I haven't haven't got to do one of those multi species trips where I get to chase pan fish and several months i think it's been like i don't know june maybe i might be missing a tripper or here or two here or there but um but i haven't been out for panfish at all lately but i would imagine uh crappies are set up nice on the cabbage edges and and the bluegills goes around those deep weed edges and and i would imagine it's it's really really good they like uh they like this warm water sort of the bass sort of the northern sort of the muskies so all those things are are good it's it's the walleyes you got to work for right now
1: so there you go on the fishing front uh let's talk some bear baiting because uh what we're, how far are we out from bear opener right now
6: well what are we like two weeks season does open on a friday so we're almost exactly at that two two week mark so two weeks to train the bears uh try to play chess with them and get them figured out and uh and then our hunting season start we got dove bear and uh and early goose season all open the first so we're booked up on bears um we are booked up next year as well. (laughs) We're still, we're still taking calls for, um, for upcoming seasons. Um, but right now we, we have enough clients for this season and next season. Um, and people who have enough preference points that they should, should definitely draw. And that's a good thing to note for anybody in the future that wants to get into bear hunting. Um, especially if you're going to go in a lottery area, like, like ours is, um, we guide primarily in 41 and 46, and then we will do a no quota hunt here or there. But since we sold the outpost, at, uh, it it's not as easy to run up and and run baits. But um, people should start applying. Um, the applications are done for this season, but next year, you know, if you want to look at hunting in the future, you should always be applying and make sure you're gaining preference points so that when you're ready to hunt, um, you have enough preference points to draw. So.
1: As far as the baiting goes, Matt, we've had you on many times kind of giving us some do's and don'ts and tips on how to do it because uh, you've been doing this for a long time. You obviously have to do some scouting, but do you go back to where you were baiting last year first to see if that is still an active area for bears and then go from there? and Or do you have to basically scout the woods all over again?
6: No, like you said, we've been doing this a long time. So <laughs> I, I can think of like probably close to fifty. Different sites that uh, that we've had people having encounters with bears at, and it it's always you know you try to try to hit those spots or areas close to those spots um, because there's a reason it was good and uh, and there there should still be bears in the area, um, but sometimes they they don't pan out. Sometimes they're there are no bears in that area or, or maybe they're traveling for a different food source or whatever the case may be. Um, so every year we're trying to expand, we're always adding test baits, um, and test sites looking for, looking for something new every year and, and, uh, trying to find, find some more areas that we can, can cover, especially trying to find stuff closer to home. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm always hitting old areas and, uh, and we're adding new areas as well. And, it's always it's always hit or miss i mean you you never know what you're gonna get until you get that first hit, and once you get that first hit then you know then you just keep after it and you know you know that you've got a pretty good shot so
1: so where your game cameras come in handy
6: yes, extremely handy i i I remember setting the old trail timers um you know, and you'd tie tie a string to a log and tie it to a tree and and uh it would pull pull it out and stop the time and you could tell what time that came through, but you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell if it was a bear or a raccoon or, or a skunk. You just never knew. And I remember even prior to that, going out with my dad when he was guiding, and and uh, you didn't have anything. You just oh, it got hit, and you had no idea when. And you just sat and hoped. So uh, we've come a long ways, and things are getting a lot easier. And uh, technology is making everything
5: easier, of course. So
1: as far as what you're putting in the baits. Matt, um, do you stay consistent with that throughout the entire baiting season, or as the, as we get through the baiting season, do you alter what gets put in there for fear of maybe they get sick of the same thing over and over again?
6: No, I really I don't change it up too much. You know, I'll I'll throw in a, a wrench here and there just to see, um, but for the most part, uh, my base is trail mix, and um, and I always just have that as a base, and then. My filler is what I'll tinker with. So most of the time it's, you know, bagels or bread or donuts or oil or whatever, popcorn sometimes. But uh, every once in a while we'll throw a little bit of legal meat. Um, you need to make sure you check the regulations to see what's legal for meat to throw in bait stations. Um, but, you know, if we have like a bunch of small bears coming in, we might throw a little something different, more protein and less sugar. Um, and the smaller bears seem to be attracted more to sugars and and sweets and uh and the bigger older boars they they prefer you know meat and protein so um trail mix and meat will will start you know kind of keeping them around a little bit more Uh, and then try not to overdo it on greases or molasses or anything you don't want to give give the bears an upset stomach because they'll they'll abandon a bait if they it's just like if you went to the chinese restaurant and you get sick you're not going to go back there the next day so bears are kind of the same way so
1: So there you go. And one last thing, Matt, are anybody in your family uh, or immediate family have uh, bear tags or is it pretty much all clients for you this year?
6: All clients this year, no family or friends. Um, We were just too full. I actually, um, I could have got a surplus tag. I was there at the right time and I helped a client get one and and he was able to procure one of the 11 available tags for our area. And and, uh, I, I, I could have got one for myself, but I'm like, eh, it's way too busy. There's no chance that I'm going to be able to have time to hunt. So didn't do it, and uh, I'll just keep waiting for my for my lottery to come up.
1: There you go. Uh, bear season going to be here, as Matt said, uh, September 1st, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, everything else that's happening this fall, it's Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check him out, northcountryguides.com. Look him up on all the social media as well. Matt will keep you updated on everything that he's up to. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Time for our Famish Fisherman recipe here on Brainerd Outdoors. As always, we bring in Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter. And this one sounds awesome, Joel. We're going to try broiled walleye with cucumber melon salsa.
4: Yeah, the salsa's kind of a a bit different. But uh, the melon definitely kind of throws it. But we mix it all in and going to work out just fine.
1: Certainly sounds summery, so.
4: It does sound summery. That's what I was going for. <laughs> All right. So, broiled walleye. We'll get a couple of nice walleye fillets out. Take a, you know, sizable uh, sheet pan, put down a little melted butter on the bottom. Throw our walleye fillets on there. Season them up, salt and pepper. And I like to put just a little bit of a uh, smoky paprika on top for a little bit of color, a little bit of smoky flavor to it as well. Toss that in the oven, probably 375. What I would do, probably going to take 10 to 15 minutes depending on uh, how big or small your fish are. While that's cooking in the oven, or even before you got that cooking in the oven, we can make up our salsa. You know, the the more you do it ahead of time, the further ahead of time you do it, a little better it's gonna be. So we're gonna take a, a few cucumbers, nice and peeled, seeded, and a very small dice. Then we'll take a nice ripe cantaloupe, do the same thing, seed it out, peel it, nice, very small dice. We wanna kinda match the cucumbers that we have. And also red onion, about diced up the same size. Mix that together, add in a little fresh chopped parsley, Fresh chopped cilantro, and a little lemon zest, and the juice of a lemon as well. Mix that together. Let it sit. Let that you know kind of marinate together a little bit. Pretty simple. We're just gonna top our cooked walleye with cucumber melon salsa. And I'd
1: imagine if somebody wasn't lucky enough to grab some walleye, any other fish would work with this.
4: Any other fish would work great. We actually just did it in the restaurant with uh, a grilled swordfish. Oh. And it paired amazing. It was my first time having swordfish, and it was. It was awesome.
1: Any type of vegetable side? Do you think the salsa is good
4: enough? The salsa, in my opinion, is good enough. I would probably serve it over a bed of rice of of your, uh, your liking, your flavor. There you go. Well, if you want to give it a try, and I encourage you to do so, head to
1: our website. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipe tab, and this one and a ton of other ones are there for you to try. Broiled walleye with cucumber melon salsa. That's our Famished Fisherman recipe for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. If you missed the show, a couple of a variety of ways, actually, you can uh, catch it on demand. One place is our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. We've got the show uploaded there. Otherwise, if you want to go the podcast route, we're available on all podcast networks, including Podcast One, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you download podcasts. Just search Brainerd Outdoors, subscribe, and if you'd like, give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm
0: Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats in Little Falls, SCR Northern. The guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd. Ores and Mine and Crosby. Pine River State Bank. Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop. Jack Pine Brewery. The official beer of Brainerd Outdoors. Freedom Firearms. The Power Lodge. Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix. SW. W. Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors, right here on B93.3.